This is a Fuente podcast. Last time we talked about their answer to who are we, we're the working class, um, what's the problem, a huge class division, and how do we solve it? And here his idea is that we solve it through the government seizing the means of production. Um, this is interesting because uh, we're seeing this ideology growing within our nation today. This idea that we can bring about equality by the government seizing more and more control of what's going on in the economy. And this is a very dangerous idea and it's also flawed. We'll talk about how it's flawed and how it's dangerous as we continue on. I'm going to start with a quote here from the manifesto. In the conditions of the proletariat, those of old society at large are already virtually swamped. The proletarian is without property. His relation to his wife and children are no longer anything in common with the bourgeoisie family relations. Modern industrial labor, modern subjugation to capital, the same in England as in France and America as in Germany, has stripped him of every trace of national character. This is the important part. Law, morality, religion are to him so many bourgeoisie prejudices behind which lurk in ambush just as many bourgeoisie interests. This is a complete shooting himself in the foot for Marx. Okay, this is the end of the Marx. If, if you're truly a Marxist and you believe that morals are a tool by the bourgeoisie to get in charge, then you can't use morals then to say it's immoral for the bourgeoisie to be in charge. Okay, morals have to exist apart and abstracted from from our own ideas and these he has this idea that 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 morals and ideology and philosophy are all products of whatever market is in place so he thinks whatever however property is distributed that's going to create the morals and philosophies of a society and i'm not saying that doesn't happen at all i mean surely you know I think it's more nuanced than Marx thinks. He thinks that, that capitalism creates the ideas of liberty. Oh, what if like liberty and capitalism are like connected together umbilically? You know, what if separating one from the other, what if they're like Siamese twins? It's like maybe not necessarily one causing the other. They might explode out of the same philosophical foundation of a love of liberty. But he dismisses even liberty morality, religion, all of these things are just tools by a rich class to take advantage of a poor class. Because with the communist ideology, and even with like strong left leftists today, so I, I, I'm going to pause. I, I want to explain that I'm a centrist, and I'm not trying to poo-poo the other side. We're very much in this political red team, blue team ideology in our country today. And I'll tell you, the, the right has a lot of issues. Trump spouts lies all the time. Um, they The right praises toxic masculinity. Uh, a lot of times it, it prizes nationalism over morality for the fellow man. Okay, so I'm not trying to, to say one's better than the other right here. But the left really does focus on class division to the exclusivity of everything else. Don't believe me? Just go to... Go online and read comments, hard, like terrible, hurtful, mean comments that people say 
uh, in the name of bringing about class equality. And it's so sad because the whole reason it's bad for there to be different classes is because that means people aren't treating the others the way they want to be treated. And so whenever you try to bring about class equality by not treating others the way you want to be treated, you're totally missing the point of what's actually the problem there. And I think that's kind of what's happening with Marx. What's the problem? Class inequality. No, class inequality isn't the problem, Marx. It's not. It's a symptom of the problem. Greed in the human heart is the problem. But Marx misses. He's like a bad doctor who sees a drippy nose and thinks that's causing the sickness. He's not going to be able to prescribe the right medicine. He's going to stop up. The, he, the, here's the Marx way to solve it. You cut off the nose with a knife and think you've solved the problem. You haven't. Now you've just wounded the person even more. We'll talk about how that anal analogy plugs into his ideas of the market and how to run a market in a second. So what do I mean by cutting off the nose? Let's look at some of his solutions, okay? In depicting the most general phases of the development of the proletariat, we traced the more or less veiled civil war raging within existing society up to the point where that war breaks out into open revolution and where the violent overthrow of the bourgeoisie lays the foundation for the sway of the proletariat. People who say that Lenin wasn't a true or Stalin wasn't a true communist because he was violent, have not read the Communist Manifesto. And it doesn't end there. There's even more talking about it. If you go to the very end of the manifesto, he says extremely similar things. The communists disdain to conceal their views and aims. They openly declare that their ends can be attained by the forcible overthrow. Remember when in the last episode I talked about how he paid those Belgian workers to rise up. Of all existing social conditions, let the ruling classes tremble at a communistic revolution. The proletarians have nothing to lose but their chains. They have a world to win. Working men of all countries unite. Now look, if you're going to say that class equality is more important than a bourgeoisie person's life, you've just plugged in... The programming needed to, to set off a society that's going to kill millions of people. Okay? It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. If anytime you say something's more important than the sanctity of human life, people are going to die. And it, no, you can't just say, oh no, but, but Stalin wasn't being a true communist. Yes, he was. Anyone who's killing people to try to bring about class equality is being a true communist. And the fact that he didn't actually bring about class equality doesn't mean that he's not a true communist. It means, oh wow, maybe it means that class equality on an economic level is impossible. And maybe when we're trying to do that, we're missing the point. Maybe equality is supposed to be something that's metaphysical, like we're all equally made in the image of God. Whoa. And maybe money doesn't matter. And the rich man should sit next to the poor man, like it says in James. Whoa. Okay, the Bible, it speaks truths that are so much deeper than the surface level bad analysis of communism or leftism or rightism. All the sisms. They're, they're cartoon characters Trying to come up with it's like Mickey Mouse trying to come up with the solution to the problem of, of pain and the problem of life. 
problem of who we are. These are false answers to, to sometimes false questions. After dismissing the existence of morality, let's read what Marx says. The modern laborer, on the contrary, instead of rising with the progress of industry, sinks deeper and deeper below the conditions of existence of his own class. He becomes a pauper, and pauperism develops more rapidly than population and wealth. This is all sad stuff, I agree with him. And here it becomes evident that the bourgeoisie is unfit any longer to be the ruling class in society and to impose its conditions of existence upon society as an overriding law. It is unfit to rule because it is incompetent to ensure an existence uh, to its slave within his slavery because it cannot help letting him sink into such a state that it has to feed him instead of being fed by him. Society can no longer live under this bourgeoisie. In other words, its existence is no longer compatible with society. Why? Because it ends up making the working man into a slave. Well, why is that bad? Presumably because it's immoral to force other people to be your slave. Where do these morals come from? Didn't you just say that morals don't exist? That's a problem. That's a problem. And if you are going to say that they do exist, where do they come from? You just said religion doesn't exist. So God doesn't exist. Are you just made of dirt like the rest of the universe? Why does it matter if you... Why, why should I want to bring about the equality of the classes when I can be ahead of them and there's nothing they can do to stop me and it feels good for me to do that? Uh-oh. That's, that's a worldview world in crisis. That's a worldview that is incoherent and doesn't make any sense. Like the medieval theology that Marx pretends to have thrown off, he too has his own idea of hell. He claims that as capitalism continues onward, the individuality of each person disappears. Which is interesting, because if you think about the freedom of self-expression being... Well, we'll go into freedom of self-expression in a second, but if you know anything about your history, and know anything about the Soviet Union or modern-day communist China, it's like, I wonder who has more individuality? People with freedom or people where class equality is put in front of everything that's a question we should have as we listen to Marx here you must therefore confess that by individual you mean no other person than the bourgeoisie than the middle class owner of property this person must indeed be swept out of the way and made impossible why because from the moment when the labor can no longer be converted into capital money or rent into social power capable of being monopolized from the moment when individual property can no longer be transformed into bourgeoisie property, into capital, from that moment you say it, the individuality vanishes. Okay, he's talking about how these people, they, they work in factories and their individuality, individuality vanishes. But this kind of goes against history. So if you look at 1776 when Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of the Nations and kind of created capitalism, actually... Like, if you compare how I live today with a computer and a refrigerator and a car and TV, these are all products of capitalism. I'm living better now than a king did in medieval times. See, humans have been around for the last 100,000 years. 
What was it, though, that's made it since 1776 technology has exploded so much? Is it because of government control? That's something real awkward that Marx needs to sit with. Okay. Are poor people today really worse off than they were 500 years ago? Really? With AC and modern appliances? It's something to think about. It's been objected that upon the abolition of private property, all work will cease and universal laziness will overtake us. Okay. And he says, no, this won't happen. So according to this bourgeois... Uh, and I've even, uh, listening to Bernie Sanders, he talked about, no, love and compassion for each other is going to keep us going. Um, Bernie Sanders got kicked out of a hippie commune for being too lazy. Okay? And abolition of private property, like, this never works. Okay, you're either going to be motivated by greed or fear to do something you don't want to do. Okay? And sometimes by love. But... I mean, going through every day, looking at all of society, you have all the people who are motivated by greed, supposedly, capitalist societies. I mean, I go out and work and I get money so I can come home and spend time with my family. And I get money so I can have my private property, have my own private house, and I can spend time with my family and, and give to the poor. Okay, liberty doesn't mean greed. It can but that's part of liberties. You're able to do what you want with what you have. What's your other option? Well, you could be communist. What motivates them to keep working? Well, not greed, because they don't get to keep anything they make. What else is going to make somebody work? Putting a gun to their head. Putting a gun to their head. The Soviet workers weren't working because they love the world. They're working because if they stop, they get a bullet through their head. And so, if you're going to call liberty in a market greed then you need to acknowledge that all you have on your side is fear and what would you rather live in a society where you're allowed to be greedy or where you have to be scared all the time eventually his 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 manifesto becomes completely a fairy tale i mean it's just a bunch of garbage he starts saying that things will happen in the future just because of how they're going to happen here. I'll get into it. Look, in proportion as the exploitation of one individual by another is put an end to, the exploitation of one nation by another will also put an end to. In proportion as the antagonism between classes within the nation vanishes, the hostility of one nation to another will come to an end. So he thinks if we all become communists, it'll create world peace. And that a communist nation won't war with other nations. Is that true of history? The entire Cold War and Vietnam, you know, were, were communist nations fighting other nations? Absolutely they were. Why were they fighting other nations? They had equality of classes. Why did, why did war continue? Because Marx misses the point. The greed of the human heart is what causes bad things to happen. People who prioritize themselves over others is what causes bad to happen. And get this, people who put ideologies above the sanctity of human life. That's what causes deaths. That's what causes deaths. 
He thinks that by ending class inequality, it's going to create a new Eden. But that doesn't address the problem of the human heart at all. Because at the end of the day, class inequality is based on money, and money is just a number. And what really matters is what that money is doing to someone's soul. What it's doing to their nefesh, their heart. What's going How are they... Are they loving their neighbor and treating them as themselves? Do they have a healthy relationship with God? Okay, are they trying to bring about the new creation? You know, only God can breathe life into a new creation. We can't do that by changing numbers around. If you prioritize equality of classes over everything else, you're inevitably going to destroy freedom of speech. Because when the people with common sense start speaking up, they're going to say things that you don't like. And you can see this even in the Communist Manifesto. The charges against communism made from a religious, a philosophical, and generally from ideological standpoint are not deserving of serious examination. Okay. What, what's that mean? Silence dissension. Why? Because you don't need it. Why don't you need it? Because the problem is class inequality. And anything that is getting rid of class inequality is good. And anything else is bad. So I don't even need to listen to something else because class in, ending class inequality is all that matters. I'm going to read further on. There are besides eternal truths such as freedom, justice, etc. that are common to all states of society. But communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality. Instead of constituting them on a new basis, it therefore acts in contradiction to all past historical experience. What does this accusation reduce itself to? The history of all past society has consisted in the development of class antagonisms. Antagonisms that assume different forms at different epochs. And then skipping ahead. The communist revolution is the most radical rupture with traditional property relations. No wonder that its development involves the most radical rupture with traditional ideas. So his point is basically this. Um... He said, oh, everybody thinks that philosophy creates our property structures. No, says Marx. Whatever property we have, that's what creates philosophy. And surely that's a great insight, and that's true sometimes. Like, the material world will give us philosophical ideas. But once again, he does this thing where he just lumps everything into these black and white categories and loses all nuance. So just like all bourgeoisie are bad... And all the proletariats are with him. All philosophy is really about bourgeoisie control. Okay? So ideas of eternal truths and justice and morality, that's bourgeoisie control. And it needs to be thrown out. And we need to get it out of the way so that we can bring about class equality. But let's start to unravel him a bit on his madness. We've got to get rid of morality so that we can have class equality. Okay, why do we need to get rid of... Uh, why do we need to bring about class equality, Marx? Oh, because the bourgeoisie are, are, are t using the proletariat like slaves. Well, why is that bad? Because they're immoral? Is it because they're evil, Marx? You see how that makes no sense? And then, if he did... So, his first problem is getting rid of morality. Then how can you make a moral, moral argument... If you are going to make a moral argument and say, yeah, morality does exist, where did that come from? And how can you prove it using the natural world? So, while 
a Christian would say that the way to solve the problem, the problem in the Christian world is that we have, um, we've shattered the, the unification of divinity and humanity through the evil in our own hearts and the evil in the human heart is causing us to hurt each other. Okay. That's the Christian. That would be the Christian problem. Okay. Part of it. It's way more complicated than, than I was led to believe growing up. What's the solution? The solution is a loving relationship with the God of the universe. Because he'll show you these issues within your own heart. And he'll sh show you how to be an image of him. Okay, that's the, that's the Christian solution. Communist problem is there's class inequality. Okay, which I mentioned earlier is just finding one little symptom of what's actually the problem. What's the solution? Remember earlier I had an analogy of a doctor seeing a, a stuffy nose and slicing it off the patient with a knife. Okay, this is how communism purports to fix class inequality. One, abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. Okay, so basically the government should own all the land. But what does this actually cause in real life? Well, the government will control the price. And the government will lower price so people can afford to be there. But this causes something in economics called a shortage. You have a certain supply. You have your demand way higher than your supply. You now have a shortage and you have people who can't live in homes. On the other hand, you could end up having a surplus. And a surplus would be where there's all these empty homes with no one to live in them and money that's being wasted on building them. How do you fix a surplus or a shortage? You let the free market establish what's called equilibrium. Um, and I can't really teach that over a podcast. You almost have to see it drawn out to see a supply and demand curve. But anyway, I'll continue. His, sex, his second solution, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. The problem with this is it kills production. Well, let's say you're the CEO of a giant corporation and you're doing all these actions that are causing a bunch of people to have cheap products and have jobs. But you realize that if you work 12 months out of the year, everything that you make over a certain tax bracket is going to be taken by the government. So are you going to work all 12 months of the year? No, because the government's just going to take what you make anyway. And then when that guy stops his production, it stops production on all the people that are reliant on him within the system to make their money too. See, the key to wealth is production. This is what Marx doesn't realize. The key to wealth is production. And if you look at all of human history, this is completely obvious, comparing how poor people live today to how they lived in, you know, 1200 or, you know, any, any time before the modern capitalist age. The poor are just infinitely better off now. Production creates wealth, and it creates wealth for everybody. And Marx and Bernie Sanders and these leftists, they see the economy as a pie, and the poor have to take a bigger and bigger piece of the pie in order to have more wealth. That's false. You can increase production, which grows the entire pie. And even if you have a little sliver, it's going to get bigger and bigger as the pie goes out. And yes, the big CEO might exponentially get more money than you do, but you get more wealth too. Okay, and so just because there's inequality there doesn't mean that wealth isn't growing. And so that's another way that he 
that Marks misses the problem. He kills production with his second part of his uh, solution. Three, abolition of rights of inheritance. Once again, this is going to kill production. If you're a rich person and you want your kids to get what you have when you when you die that might encourage you to keep working and to keep your factory open but if you see that they're not going to get anything when they die anyway then you die anyway then then why keep working if you can't own property why work the only way to keep working is if you have a gun to your head confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels this is just killing liberty okay Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and exclusive monopoly. We already did this. We did this in 1913 with the Federal Reserve. They created easy credit all throughout the 20s with low interest loans. And whenever the business, whenever businesses see low interest loans, they think that it means they're profitable. And so it was putting out this false information that there was these profitable, that there's profitable capital out there. And this increased demand for capital made the price of capital go up. Long story short, it ended up causing the Great Depression, okay, to have this centralized credit. It also socializes all the losses and makes people make bad investments. Because if they're not able to pay off a future loan, that's pushed onto the rest of society and not onto themselves as individuals. So why make a wise investment? Six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. What happens when the state centralizes communication? Propaganda. Brainwashing. No one being able to speak out against the state, especially if they have something to say about morality, religion, or anything besides ending class inequality. Ex 7. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. Uh, just, just go research supply and demand and economics and... Um, you know, if you like Keynes, go look up things that that argue against Keynes. And obviously, I'd say the other way around, too. Just get get educated on how supply and demand work. Combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Gra gradual abolition of all the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the population of the country. What? I don't even understand what his point is here. Like, it's bad for people to either live in cities or countries. Everything has to be a suburb. That doesn't sound very, very uh, uh, efficient. Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production. Uh, here's where my centrist leanings will come out. I'm, I'm cool with public education. I'm also cool with just public public commodities that are going to help everybody. But you have to be very, very careful with this and allow private alternatives at the same time. Because uh, otherwise you could end up doing all the issues that socialism causes. And by socialism I mean like government owning means of production of a certain part of the market. But honestly, today with the internet, if the government could even just provide poor kids a computer and internet and food, like, they could educate themselves. And in fact, when I compare how much I've educated myself after all of the schooling versus, I mean, there was, a, in public school growing up, there was a whole lot of flirting with cute girls and a whole lot of 
nonsense and doing projects at the last minute and making sure that I got a grade. But like with the internet, we have which by the way we got because of capitalism. We're able to get access to such cheap well, actually, so, yeah, originally the idea started a military program, but it's became what it is today through capitalism, and we're able to get cheap access to any sort of education imaginable. You can look up Harvard classes online for free. Um, so, I hope that was in, uh, instructive for some of y'all. Basically, he ends the short communists everywhere should support every revolutionary movement against their existing social and political order of things. Um, if I do another one on communism, I think I'm going to go into the way that communism has played out, um, in, on human lives in history and talk about, uh, maybe f from, I have a book called, uh, Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand, and I might go into that. And then I have another book, uh, called Rage Against God by Peter, uh. What's his name? He's the brother of the, the, the new atheist dude who died of cancer. Christopher Hitchens. Peter Hitchens wrote this book. So I might need to go into those two things. All right, I'll see you guys next time.